I'd like to call the City Council meeting to order tonight, Thursday, December, or Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Can we all rise and say the Pledge of Allegiance together? It's on. Is it not working? Yeah. Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, public for which it stands, one nation under God. Thank you. Jamie, will you please call the roll? Councilman Jeff Capel here. Councilwoman Jill Cole here. I don't. Feel Is like this on? These are not. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's putting out a lot. No, if you can't hear me, you no, can't hear. They're not, they're not on. No, it's not. Run it up. Testing. Light is on. They're green. I can talk loud. Oh, 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 oh. That's a noise. There we go. There we go. Thank you. She got it. Thank you. Councilman Jeff Capel. Here. Councilwoman Jill Cole. Here. Councilman Lee Zerwanka. Here. Councilman Brian Gaff. Here. Vice Mayor Pramod Javeri. Here. Councilwoman Katie Schneider. Here. Mayor Mark Serkin. Here. Seven present. We have a motion to accept tonight's agenda. So moved. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes of September 28th, 2023? So moved. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Jamie, do we have any communications to council? We do tonight, Your Honor. There's a request for a liquor license transfer for the new cinema at the Envision site on Cornell Road, and it's being transferred in from another property. The police department's reviewed and has no objections. I assume you have none? Nope. Uh, any reports from outside agencies? Seeing none, we'll go uh, say that the mayor's report will be entered into the public record. Uh, do I have a motion to accept the financial report for September of 2023? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Okay, we're going to move to hearings from citizens. If you wish to speak, please approach the microphone and state your name and address. If you have any materials to pass out, please give them directly to Jamie, the clerk of council. Please keep your comments as brief as possible, three minutes maximum, to allow others a chance to be heard. If your comments are similar to another speaker, it's much more effective to simply verbalize that you agree without repetition. This is for us to listen to you and your neighbors. It's very unlikely that we will make any remarks immediately after, we after you speak. We need to have to a chance to reflect on your comments. Sometimes later in miscellaneous business, we do revisit an issue brought forward. The Clerk of Council will time you for three minutes, and at that point, please wrap up your presentation. Most importantly, let's all treat each other calmly, kindly, and with respect. I'm, I'm Fred Cantor, um, the president of Rookwood Properties. Uh, Rookwood Properties is a family business that's been in Cincinnati for 56 years. Um, I did pass out some things. They're not labeled. I didn't know I'd be distributing them, but I did anyway. So they're ideas and concepts that'll make sense when I, um, after I speak. Um, so we have owned the Ashwood Office Center 
uh, a 50,000 square foot four-story building since uh, 1996. And Communicare was our major tenant um, all these years, but they outgrew the building um, and they purchased a larger building in Blue Ash. And the owners of Communicare are partners in our, in our building. Um, we've maintained the building in good condition, but it was built in 1979, so it's an older building style. Um, more importantly, I don't think I need to tell you that the remote work environment has greatly impaired the office market all over the city. Um, we've been actively trying using Cushman Wakefield to lease 49,000 feet of vacant space um, for the last three years, and we haven't leased any space at all in the building in three years. Um, we need to make a decision as to how the property can be redeveloped. Uh, the 2015 Blue Ash Comprehensive Plan recommends that auto service uses are appropriate if done in an upscale manner in the Blue Ash North area. And I've received that information from our zoning consultant, uh, Ann McBride. Um, so we have three different development ideas, each with its own unique challenges. And before we start down the path with any one of them, we'd like some guidance, if we could, on what is likely to be approved in Blue Ash. Um, one concept is a low-density, high-end apartment and townhome development. This could include some mixed use, perhaps, as suggested in the comprehensive plan. And we're thinking approximately 50 to 60 units. And these are, you know, our thought is initially townhomes, um, and they kind of become an alternative for homeowners, perhaps already in the Blue Ash area. Um, second, we've had interest from a store called Wawa. You may have heard of it. It's an upscale fuel center with a convenience store and restaurant in the store. Um, of course, this would be an amenity for people who live and work in um, Blue Ash. And I understand the restaurant is quite good. I've never been to one, but that's what I've been told. Um, so um, this could fit in with the 2015 Blue Ash Comprehensive Plan, in part because of the auto service use, um, because I guess they sell fuel. Um, and third, our concept is just a, a retail development without parcels. You know, maybe we'd have a coffee shop on one out parcel, uh, a fast food, kind of a higher end fast food restaurant. Um, we've talked to a couple. I don't have anything I can, you know, announce or describe yet. But, and I understand that there's a formal application process. Um, and I appreciate the time I've spent with the staff on on this site with all the many concepts we've considered um, but I thought I would I wanted to come to talk to get see if I could get some idea of what Blue Ash is likely to be interested in approving how they would like a site like this to be developed it's 2.75 acres so thank you thank you Denise Gretchen, 4911 Cooper. 
um, Blue Ash Branch Library. I wanted to share some facts about Cincinnati and Hamilton County Library. Our library is improving all 41 locations over 10 years because the community told us about um, how much they value having access to public space that's free and welcoming to everyone. So far, we've completed 14 projects and invested about 90 million in the community. In 2019, we heard from the community through the 90 listening sessions we hosted that there's a big need for meeting room and study room space. Since then, we've added 42 of these spaces to locations throughout the county. We serve everyone in the county from babies to senior citizens. And last year, we hosted over 5,000 story times and delivered over 155,000 items to senior facilities. Blue Ash Branch in particular has had more than 200 programs this year with almost 8,000 people in attendance. We host events for families and groups of all ages. Our recent customer appreciation event was on September 23rd and it was a big success. Uh, we had food, music, crafts, giveaways, and presenter Tom Bell of Hunt House um, speaking. Um, and there are other locations that are having customer appreciation events if you missed ours at Blue Ash. Issue 20 is uh, on the ballot this November for Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library. Issue 20 asks for a renewal of one mills and an increase of 0.5 mills for operating expenses and capital improvements. And just to let people know, the library's annual budget is funded 57% by the State Public Library Fund and 43% comes from tax levies. We do have voter resources at the branch, and if you need any information, please stop by to see us. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak tonight? My name is Richard Scurro, and I have uh, lived in Blue Ash for 40 years. I raised my family here and uh, built a retirement home in uh, Daventry not too long ago. Um, also known as Daventry at Summit Park, and it's the Summit Park part of this that brings me before you tonight. Later this evening, in the committee reporting part of the agenda, there's a resolution to authorize the city manager to enter into a contract for design and build services for the Summit Park Maintenance Facility Project. Given the timing of tonight's agenda, I obviously am presenting this prior to any knowledge of that contract. I attempted to obtain a copy of the report prior to tonight, but was told it would only be made available to us after it was made available to City Council. So I therefore cannot know exactly what the resolution will say at this time. I am reasonably certain, however, that I know something it will not say. At no time in the process did the city or the parks division ever present to us the possibility that a potential eyesore of a building would be built in view of our homes. The only way we got wind of this at all was when we saw surveyors planting orange flags at and around the site. <clears throat> the third party consultant, KZF, which is a local landscape and site evaluation company, to the best of my knowledge, never spoke to any of my neighbors, and they certainly never spoke to me. 
It's therefore highly unlikely that the report to be presented shortly contains any of the human element that should go into such decisions. You will probably learn from that about all the geological features at the proposed site, such as water and soil samples. But what you likely will not learn about is the blemishing of the aesthetic, the potential decrease in property value, and our exposure to machine noise and tumult at all hours. Please tell me that you spoke to any of the scores of people that use the runway from sunup to sundown every day. How would you suppose that any of the walkers, joggers, cyclists, baby carriages, skateboarders, and couples arm in arm will feel about having to contend with ongoing traffic from golf carts, maintenance equipment, and the like if you didn't ask them? What we do know is that only one other site in the park has been considered. What we don't know, but are under the distinct impression, is that one, the city wants to repurpose what was once a dump site, and the arrival of Matry Brewery has created a sense of urgency. And two, the Parks Division favors placing this maintenance shed in the middle of the park, and not at the edge or the outskirts, similar to where it is now at the old airplane hangar. While the lack of transparency to date is bothersome, it's not too late for you to assure that the park maintains its unique character and configuration. I'm almost done. When we bought homes in Daventry, we acknowledged that living next to a park carried certain potential risks. These included exposure to loud music, maybe wild animals, and the addition of other amenities. A maintenance shed like this is not an amenity, but rather a blight for those that have to look at it and a danger for those that have to contend with the vehicular activity on a runway that was designed for pedestrians. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Seeing none, we're going to move on to committee reports, finance and administration. Councilman Lee Wonka. Thank you. Uh, first off, I have a motion setting the budget study session for Monday, November 27, 2023 at 6 p.m. Um, do I have a second? Second. Any discussion? Would it be possible to move that to 530? I've, I've talked to staff. Um, it's, I, I know that for 30 years, this has been the uh, Monday after Thanksgiving. Um, my church has its annual meeting the uh, fourth or the last Monday in November, and we have an early Thanksgiving, so we have this overlap. Um, I understand it's usually a, a rather short meeting. Um, if we could do it at 5.30, that would leave me plenty of Fine time. Fine with me. Everybody good? Is there a consensus? Yep. All good? Yeah. Well, then we'll make it 5.30 instead. Thank you. So, uh, we got to do an amended motion? Yes, I'll make Counselor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. I move to amend the motion to make the meeting at 5.30. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Uh, now do we have to motion pass Motion passes 7-0. Oh, the uh, that, was the, that was the amendment. Now we got to vote on the amendment. Now we got to oh, vote on it, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do I have a motion to vote on the amended time to 5.30? To approve it? Yeah. To approve it, yes. So second. move. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Next, um, Jamie, please read resolution number 2023-64 by Ty Lowy. 
Resolution accepting the amounts and rates as determined by the Budget Commission and authorizing the necessary tax levies and certifying them to the county auditor. Move to adopt resolution number 2023-64. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none, Jamie, please call the roll. Councilman Capel? Yes. Vice Mayor Javeri? Yes. Councilman Gath? Yes. Councilwoman Schneider? Yes. Councilwoman Cole? Yes. Councilman Zerwanka? Yes. Mayor Serkin? Yes. Seven yeses. Uh, Jamie, please read resolution number 2023-65 by title only. Providing for amendments within the 2023 annual appropriation resolution number 2022-64. Move to adopt resolution number 2023-65. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none, Jamie, please call the roll. Councilwoman Schneider? Yes. Councilman Capel? Yes. Councilwoman Cole? Yes. Councilman Gath? Yes. Vice Mayor Javeri? Yes. Councilman Zerwanka? Yes. Mayor Serkin? Yes. Seven yeses. Call him, Mayor. Okay, we're going to move to Parks and Recreation Committee. Councilwoman Schneider. Jamie, could you please read resolution number 2023-66 by title only? Authorizing the city manager to enter into a contract for design build services for the Summit Park Maintenance Facility Project. Move to adopt resolution number 2023-66. Second. Is there any discussion on this or, yeah. Just put your mind at ease. Regardless of where the facility goes, um, we need you to, or we would request you to go ahead and authorize us to start with the design process. So by you um, authorizing this particular resolution, you're not necessarily committed to a particular location. So I know there's concern about that. So at some point in time, we will need to start honing that in and make that decision. So, that, but, but you'll need this contract regardless of where the, the facility is going to be located. So doing this will not um, trigger any other issues, so to speak. And in the same vein, the appropriations we just passed, we have to have the money available in order to even authorize the $600,000 for design and services. It is seen backwards, but it is normal. And Shook Construction is the same firm that's doing our golf <coughs> maintenance facility? I'm, that, I'm sorry. Is Shook um, Construction the same firm that's, that we're working with on the golf maintenance facility? Yes, it is. And, and so Brian and um, Gordon have been happy with their services. Okay. So. No further discussion. Jamie, could you please call the roll? Councilwoman Cole? Yes. Councilwoman Schneider? Yes. Councilman Capel? Yes. Councilman Zerwanka? Yes. Councilman Gath? Yes. Vice Mayor Javeri? Yes. Mayor Serkin? Yes. Seven yeses. Amy, could you please read resolution number 2023-67 by title only? Authorizing the city manager to negotiate and thereafter enter into a multi-year lease agreement and cooperative agreement for city-owned real property located at 4335 Glendale Milford Road within Summit Park with the Port Authority of Greater Cincinnati Development Authority to affect the orderly development of such real property. Move to adopt resolution number 2023-67. Second. Is there any discussion on this one? A, a couple questions. The, the first one is, so if we choose to 
uh, enter into agreement with the Port Authority or we choose to not enter into an agreement with the Port Authority, what's the difference, if any, on city finances? Um, there isn't any. However, the project appears to need the benefit of some of the processes and some of the tax advantages that the Port Authority has. So I would say that um, if it, um, it does not go with the Port Authority, there's probably going to be some cost increases as they're working through that, and then they'd have, you'd have to come back to you and you'd have to decide whether you want to increase that or not. But as of now, it would be... Um, contained within the, um, the original amount you approved in May or June. Okay, so then just to be very clear then, um, entering into a deal with the Port Authority will not reduce any revenues to us. You're talking revenues um, that's a or different question. Any re well, yeah, any revenues or, or increased costs. So it's not hurting us financially at all to enter into a deal with the Port Authority. Okay. And then just my other one is at the very end of section one towards the bottom of the page, it says, and the agreement shall be approved by special counsel appointed by the city solicitor. Can I get a little more detail on that? That's the, um, the law firm that's been working on this contract since day one of this deal. As you know, um, Dinsmore was conflicted out, so it's the same firm that would be using that wrote the original um, deal with Madtree. Okay, so we're using a different firm entirely to handle our end of, uh, of this one. Okay, yeah, those are my only two questions on it. No further discussion. Jamie, could you please call the roll? Vice Mayor Javeri? Yes. Councilman Gath? Yes. Councilman Capel? Yes. Councilwoman Cole? Yes. Councilman Zerwanka? Yes. Councilwoman Schneider? Yes. Mayor Serkin? Yes. Seven yeses. Jamie, thank you, Mayor. That's all I have. Okay, we're going to go over to Public Safety Committee, Councilman Capel. Yes, Jamie, can you please read resolution number 2023-68 by title only? Authorizing the city manager to adopt the Hamilton County Multi-Hazard Mitigation Plan. Did, uh, either of the, the move to adopt? Oh, yeah, I guess I'll do that first. Uh, I move to adopt resolution 2023-68. Second. Okay, and then did either of the chiefs want to speak on that? The only thing I'll say is it's something that we we do routinely. They ask all the jurisdictions within Hamilton County to adopt this plan, and it allows us to get funds if needed through federal or state emergencies. So um, it's definitely. Uh, Nothing's changed other than just they've updated their policy. Okay. Anything else? Or anyone else? Okay. Please call the roll. Councilman Zerwanka? Yes. Councilman Gath? Yes. Councilwoman Cole? Yes. Councilwoman Schneider? Yes. Vice Mayor Javeri? Yes. Councilman Capel? Yes. Mayor Serkin? Yes. Seven yeses. All right. And then for the other one, I didn't even have to bring a costume this year. The um, first. Yeah. The, a motion to establish trick-or-treat hours in the city of Blue Ash on Tuesday, October 31st, 2023, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. I move that we pass, or, uh, pass the motion. Second. Great. Um, all in favor? Aye. 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 Any uh, evil people opposed? Good. The motion <laughs> passes. And I've decided this year I'm going to go as the guy in the van scene from Silence of the Lambs. 
all I've got. Okay. Uh, okay. We're going to move to miscellaneous business, and to start off, Clean Benkin from KZF Design is going to do a presentation on the options for the Summit Park maintenance buildings. You want my laser cleat? Hoping we have some audio visual shortly. You need it. I try to give it to everybody and likes it, but this one's better. Well, while we're waiting, thank you, Mayor. Um, I'll uh, I'll describe um, a little bit of my background um, because it's germane to the to the uh, topic. Can we? You tall people either need to. Can there we, a handheld? How's that? If I lean over just a bit. Can we do the handheld? Are, are I, can, I, can, are, I can bend over. He's so, he's so fine. tall that he, yeah, it's hard to hear him, especially for the audience. Yeah. So, um, so my name's Cleet Benkin. I'm a landscape architect uh, and uh, land planner. Um, I was uh, fortunate to be involved uh, with uh, several phases of the development of Summit Park, including, thank you, Kelly, including uh, the master planning. Uh, which uh, began actually through the city's efforts prior to 2010, but um, I became involved as the lead of the uh, multidisciplinary consulting team that was hired to do the original park master plan in 2010. And then through um, other RFPs and um, uh, agreements was, was ultimately selected to remain involved in the landscape architecture uh, and uh, site design for the park. So um, I think everybody's aware, obviously, because we have things called taxiways in the park, that it was an airport at one time. Um, and when it was an airport, um, it went through several phases of development, the, the most recent of which was in the sometime in the early 70s, I believe. And at that time, um, the taxiways were developed, more parking fields were developed, the runway was uh, improved, um, and a lot of drainage ditches were installed and there was a lot of clearing that went on. So at one time, the park was devoid of any vegetation other than mown turf. Um, there were some swales that, that grew up and had, um, um, you know, emergent aquatic vegetation in them. Um, when we started planning the park, um, we found out very early on, actually I think the city found out before we even started planning, that through the phase one environmental review process that uh, the park had quite a uh, large acreage of wetland in it. And those wetlands were primarily along um, Plainfield Road between Plainfield and the taxiway and between what I would call the airport infield and uh, the taxiway. Um, and so in 1977, the county flew an aerial. There were almost no trees on that, on that aerial. In, in 1988, they flew another aerial, uh, and you could begin to see the beginnings of some woodlots forming, uh, mostly in the wetlands. And in, uh, fast forward to 2011, when we were mapping the site and looking at doing a resource assessment, there were um, 
multiple stands of trees at that time, and some of which over those uh, many years, from 1977 or thereabouts until 2011, uh, many of those trees developed into precursors of what you see today. So pretty much what we're seeing today is just a 12-year-old version, older version, of, of what's there. What, um, what we were asked to do uh, to be prepared to speak tonight was to go back and look at the, uh, the original master plan and what um, the principles for the development of that master plan were. Um, and I'll, while we're waiting for the audiovisual, I can go into that and, and briefly. So um, the city did uh, citywide surveys and had several um, opportunities for people to offer their opinions on what they wanted to see on what was at that time going to be one of the city's last large green spaces. And the, it was a 235-acre parcel. The airport runway is roughly 100. The park's roughly 135. Obviously, the runway didn't have a lot of vegetation because of the FAA requirements for landing aircraft. The, the 135 acres um, had um, some areas that were mown turf, not much environmental quality. They had some areas where the, uh, the drainage ditches were installed, which had become jurisdictional wetland the way that Fish and Wildlife and the EPA define wetlands. And it also had those areas that were emerging trees. The public surveying um, disclosed that residents of Blue Ash and business owners in Blue Ash wanted to see as much of that wooded area and as much of the native vegetation in the park remain as was practical and possible. That was a, one of the highest priorities for your residents. Um, and so starting there, we started doing a whole bunch of, of master plan schemes that looked at different scenarios. What we, what we uncovered in doing those scenarios and looking at the planning was through a resource assessment, we uncovered um, an old dump site um, that shows up on that 1977 mapping. Um, we found out where the wetlands were, we found out where all the drainage ditches were, and we, we got a good handle on, on what was developable in the park and what would be something that you would most likely want to conserve. And so um, the way you see the park today and the way the trail network moves up and down along the taxiway between the taxiway and Plainfield Road, and what you see along the edges of the taxiway um, are, are frozen in time a little bit because the last time we were working on a master plan was probably in 2014-15 when we were looking at how what became known as the first tier of the park, the second tier of the park, and the frontier of the park would be developed. Um, hey, Clee, Council does have all their packets in front of them. How about I can, yeah, some of we can give a couple of these to the audience and then we mm -hmm. can share? Yeah. I can go run some copies, Mark. Yeah. Let me get a couple of these out for the. Okay. Okay, so um, I'll go by page number uh, for those that can share a copy. And if, if you're not sitting next to somebody that has a copy, please move over and sit next to them. 
Um, so I'm going to start uh, on the first couple of pages there. As you're paging through, you'll see the aerials that are in the, in the map, uh, in the compendium of maps. Um, and so the first two pages are those aerials that, that show you the, 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 uh, the habitats that are there on the park. Um, the next page um, shows a couple of versions of the park master plan. One is from 2012, the other is from 2013. And the aerial showed that area where the dump is today, the old landfill area, where the staking has been performed. Though that, that site has been heavily modified through the years. There have been multiple fill operations that have taken place there. Um, the first one was sometime in the 70s or early 80s. Uh, the most recent one um, was later, maybe in the, um, well, I'm just going to say later, right? Um, I don't think the city has been actively doing anything there in recent years, probably since the, the, the most recent construction project on the park. So that's been a bit of a staging area. Um, the, the next series of, of pages in the report have resource mapping. And the first one is a map of the wetlands through the park. Um, the city asked us to look at uh, three sites. Um, we looked at a site on the, on the dump area uh, nearest Daventry. We looked at a site at the very north end along Glendale Milford Road, nearest Glendale Milford Road. And we looked at the site not quite in the middle. Um, the, the two sites at the ends um, could be developed with minimal or no impact to the wetlands. The one in the north would have a wetland impact. It might be a quarter to a third of an acre, something like that. The one at the uh, nearest Daventry could be done with no impact to the wetlands. That's important uh, for a couple reasons. Thank you, David. Lee, you're on. Uh, hooray. Who's the hero that got that done? Thank you. David. All right. Um, uh, go, yeah, if you don't mind, go to the first one. Uh, just the wet, you had it. So, so uh, I'm going to fast forward a little bit just to show you where the sites are first, okay? So here's the, here's the last slide. Those are the three sites. Um, note that all the sites are the same acreage because basically the facility won't change in terms of its space needs, right? It'd go on different sites. It's going to take up about the same amount of space on any of the sites. Um, so I'm going to go back now to the resource mapping. So first thing to point out um, are the wetlands and the big block in the middle there. Um, the next thing to point out is some of the habitat. So the, the lightly colored little bubbles there, those are high canopy trees with high quality um, tree species in them. They're more developed. They're the tr kinds of trees that come in after a woodland is matured. And the first entries, the, the invaders, the first invaders start to get overtopped by the, the higher canopy hardwood trees. The, the ones that are slightly uh, darker in green, suggesting they're lower, are lower open canopy woodlands. Those woodlands have less uh, native vegetation under them. They have more um, exotic um, vegetation, things like honeysuckle um, and Bradford pear, calorie pear in them. 
Um, but they are transitioning. Um, and over time, those will also develop with hardwood species and, and, a, and a cleaner kind of native understory vegetation. That's the natural evolution if you manage it, if you're a good steward. Um, so the differences here are this site um, doesn't have the high canopy. This site does. These two sites do. Um, this is, uh, it's not labeled on the plan, but that is Carpenter's Run coming through there. This is the cemetery, okay, coming through here. And obviously the taxiways in both directions. Um, what I, what I, I did the original, I led the original resource assessment with an ecologist, um, a soil scientist, um, and engineers uh, back in the early 2000s. Early, uh, 2000, early 2010s, okay? Um, and so things haven't changed much from that point of view. Um, everything's just 13 years older, basically. But it's becoming a very, this whole area is becoming a very high quality area. This area down here, closest to, to Daventry, has two older fills, the one I talked about that you could see in the 1970s. Some of that is this lower fill right here. That area right there, that different color, is an area that is almost exclusively honeysuckle. No, no trees of any sort in it, really. So, um, and that site, that bubble that you saw, could fit in this area where there's a ring of canopy trees around it, okay? Um, these trees are, um, I'm told, because the city did a, a balloon survey where they went on the site they, they plotted where the floor elevation of the facility would be, and they looked at what the roof elevation would be on that, what the peak of the roof would be. And they determined that the peak of the roof here would be below the height of the, of the trees. So, that said, um, these areas off to the margin here, these aren't wetlands, those are something else. Those are um, transitioning. Those, are, those have some wetland plants in them, they have some non-natives in them, they're transitioning. But when I, I was talking before about the, the first tier, the second tier, and the frontier, in the park master plan, um, this is the frontier where, where that higher quality uh, native ecosystem exists. This area, the second tier, is essentially a man-made um, ecological zone. There are actually, I think, Brian, was it 15 or 16 different ecological zones that were developed in there? So this is something that the city took on and established the plantings that you see, the mounding, the trees, the, the prairie vegetation. That was all purpose-built as part of the project. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that same kind of approach can be used on any of these sites to restore that site. So um, Gordon, I know, is a big fan of native plant material. He likes brick a lot, too, and granite. But I know he, he, he's, a, he's become a fan. We're converting, we converted Gordon back then to a guy that did more than roundabouts. He and Brian and others obviously embrace this idea of creating a, 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 a landscape here that's very appealing. 
All of these sites in the middle have to be accessed somewhere. The maintenance facility today is up here, and that maintenance facility, the mowers, the, the Cushmans, the golf carts, they go across walking paths to get into the park. Um, there's something else that I want to point out about this. And, and the, the gentleman earlier talked about um, you know, areas of the park that, that, that are potential sites, and, and one of those sites is here, up here. We showed that. Um, but this master plan, one of the things that residents wanted to do when we were doing the master plan was they wanted to have sites in the park that could be developed for cultural arts, museums, other more brick-and-mortar intensive sites, and the master plan reserved this site and this site um, for that kind of facility. We, we didn't know then what it would be. There were a bunch of things that were talked about back then, um, but we did reserve. We said, if you're going to have that kind of use where you need roadway service, you need utilities, um, that would logically happen along Glendale Milford Road where you already have kind of an urbanized setting along Glendale Milford Road. And so we said these other areas um, would be less appropriate for that. And at the time, um, in the frontier, um, we were, uh, and if you could read these, and maybe you can on the handouts you have in front of you, but when you talk about the frontier, one of the things that's shown in the frontier area is this idea of a golf practice facility. And the thought at the time was, it's kind of a half-in, half-out kind of intensive use. You know, it's, it's, it's green, but it's also something that's going to draw people to it. And so the master plan anticipated that perhaps you could do something like that back then. Now, obviously, that wasn't done. Um, but the thought um, at the time um, was that if there was going to be something there, the reason it might go there is because it's already an impacted site, and it would require some remediation and reinvestment regardless of what you did in that site. And I think that's one of the things that you all in council need to evaluate when you make the decision. I'm not here tonight to tell you what site it should be. I'm here to tell you the advantages and disadvantages of the various sites, okay? So here we are then. Um, well, there's some photos that I wanna point out, some of the resources I'm talking about. So here's, here's the, a site taken here. These are mostly red maple trees. It's a colony of red maple that is developed there. Underneath those red maples is a pristine, um, meaning no exotic invasive species, pristine emergent aquatic environment under there. If you were to go there in the spring, you would see emergent um, forbs and, and sedges coming up in that area. Today, it's dry and they're all, they've all died back down. Um, this area is the dump site. This is an area that using that whole approach to stewardship and thinking about how things could be restored, this area would be a good candidate for a reforestation, taking out that honeysuckle, improving the soil, and bringing in additional trees. Although, if you stand here today and I think we've got some photos of that, this is what you see. So we took a sight line, a photograph, from the sidewalk over here off the end of this um, little courtyard 
at the end of the street here in Daventry. Um, and this is about, to the corner of the building is about 390 feet, okay? Um, that balloon survey that I was referencing, I didn't do it, um, but Brian and his team reported to me that they, they floated the balloons to the height of the eave and none of them eclipsed the canopy there. Um, there is the potential to do more plantings and to do some mounding around the site. And I did study um, their, the original proposal for the site and, and actually showed uh, another couple of alternatives, mainly around the whole idea of the evolution of this landscape and ecology to make that site not be a visual blight and not be uh, something that, that you would look out and see. Yes, sir. Yeah, so stem mass is the key to that, right? And, and, the, and the type of materials and the color on the building. So it's, it's pretty typical in parks maintenance facilities to make them the color of gray or brown, basically the color of bark, so that they blend in with the tree canopy. The other thing that we pointed out is there's room along the taxiway before you get into the wetlands to plant other trees. So you could introduce some evergreen trees in that area. You could reinforce the planting, create, yes, sir. Um, I don't, my recollection is you wouldn't really have to take any trees down. They're already down. They're just covered up with soil. So it's not, there's not it's an addition. It's very likely that it's pretty minimal. And if it is, it's low quality. Right. To the audience, we're getting a presentation. This is, this please, is not the time to, yeah. to beat up Cleet. Okay. But, but it helps the presentation. It was a good question. If you wanted to, <laughs> yeah, that's sorry. fine. No, but no, that's you're, not you're, typically I, how we Mr. handle Mr. Mayor, this. I am not going to challenge the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I think it's a good point to bring up because um, any of these sites, the way the city has approached this, the way your citizens have asked that we approach this, as a design team in the past, in my past involvement, has been restore what you do. One of the one of the tenets of parks design and development, parks planning and development, is first do no harm. That's the conservation ethic. Do no harm. Um, this site, site B, um, is across from the cemetery entrance. It's in an area which isn't in the sight line from. Uh, Carpenter's Run, where the entire neighborhood looks down that corridor. So we picked this site because it could be screened mostly from Plainfield. It also provides access to the taxiway when that access is needed. It's my understanding that there would never, uh, on a daily basis, there would not be through traffic through here for vehicles. It's not needed. That employees, deliveries, that kind of thing would come in from Plainfield, or if it was this site, Glendale Milford, and would not have to go through the park. It would just be the things you typically see in the park, mowers, uh, utility carts, that kind of thing. Um, this site, however, um, this site would require an extensive remediation and compensatory mitigation of the wetlands, over two acres in all likelihood. Um, that's very expensive to do that. Um, then, because the soil is a wetland soil, you'd have to stabilize the soil. Um, you'd, there'd be different standards for what has to be done to improve the site. So this site would be costly to develop and you would lose some of those 
very, very high quality um, um, horticultural resources, ecological resources in that area. This site um, is not as rife with quality um, ecological resources. Um, it's more of a transitional area. Um, um, it's next to um, Glendale Milford. It's, it's actually, this site is actually closer to the homes on Glendale Milford than is this site to Daventry. It's about 390 feet here. It's, a, I think, a little under 300 feet here. Um, 235, thank you. Um, so they both, have, they both have neighbor impacts. They're both in the sight line of homes. Um, however, this original taxiway on that master plan that you saw in, your, in, the, in the set here, this was one of the sites that was identified for some sort of cultural resource, you know, in the future. So, mercifully, I'm at the end of the slide deck. Um, I think I've, I've probably given you about as much information as I can, um, and so it's probably a good time to turn it over for questions. Can you just walk us through what the next steps will be as you're looking at these options? I think, um, I think I'll defer to, to David and Brian in that regard. I, I think, um, you know, as a park planner, um, knowing that all the sites are going to have some degree of impact, um, there, two of the sites are close to residents, one isn't. I would, I would, if I could make a recommendation, I would recommend ruling out site B because of its impact to the wetlands and its, frankly, exceptionally high cost for development um, and the loss of the resources that would be there. I think the decision boils down to the other two sites. Um, and the site to the north, Site C, has an opportunity cost to it in addition to the development cost. It's the opportunity of being able to do that other cultural resource site. Because they're not, it's not really compatible to have a maintenance facility next to something that might be a cultural arts center or a museum or something that you might really like to have. Now, are those proposals coming to you every day? Probably not. Um, but they probably come to you a couple times a year. And at some point, this council or a future council is likely to get a proposal, um, depending on whether or not that site, that site is available. So looking at it from a master planning perspective, um, that's your, that's, those are the decisions you have to weigh. You know, do, do you want to reserve that site? And, and do you believe that you can remediate either of the sites to address the concerns that residents will have? Um, does that seem logical? Clean. I have another question. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, I just want to ask, by the dollar B and C and A, what will be the difference in a dollar sense, approximately? Um, I think it'd be safe to say that B would be by far the highest. Um, I think um, cost-wise, A and C might be similar, you know, in terms of dollars and cents. Um, we, we, we just looked at it from the standpoint of the, the, the amount of impact that's going on there. 
So um, C um, has less ecological impact, but you're going to have to do more for screening and buffering there than you would even on the other site for the neighbors. Um, so, but I think you would do it on both. I think you would remediate either site that you chose. And I, I see Brian nodding, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm safe to say that. We, isn't there, doesn't the uh, new gas line go through C? It does, right across the front of it. Something else you mentioned on C earlier, and you can see it in the picture, we talked about the pathway that goes through there. So would that totally remove that path there, or would we move it elsewhere, or just they'd have to go around? You, 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 would, you would lose the paved path because of the, the siting of that facility, and you, you might have to relocate it out along Glendale Milford because that wouldn't be going through a wetland, or you might have to snake it around differently, but you would, if you wanted a paved path, you'd have to put in a new paved path um, because the path, the mulch paths, go underwater at certain times of the year. They're not always available to you. Um, question I have regarding site A. So you did show us that there's a, a good number of trees that are there. Now I know I've, I've seen presentations before for, for putting something up in areas where there's trees there and we look at it and say, oh, it's great. We've, we've got the trees that, that can be the natural buffer. And then when the final plan comes in, those trees end up coming down because the trees have to make way for the proposed development. Are, are you certain if we were to put something there that the trees here that, um, it, that at least what you're showing to us would be buffer can stay there as buffer? Yeah. We, we didn't only rely on what the other planning team had done. We did our own evaluation of that site. We laid out the building, and we demonstrated that you could develop that site without taking down more trees. And that more trees yeah, between time. that site and Daventry. You might want to push more toward Plainfield to make that happen, but it, it can be done, yes. So then basically, I think you kind of said it earlier, but I'll, I'll just ask it again. Are you pretty much feeling like if we did something there that the existing buffers plus anything else we put up could make the building you know, either invisible or practically invisible to residents of Daventry? Um, yes. You have the ability to influence what neighbors see by what you're willing to do to build that buffer up earlier or later. It's all growing. It, the buffer's getting thicker every year. So, but you could do some plantings along the taxiway, on the north side of the taxiway, that would increase the amount of stem mass or needles, if you wanted to do some evergreens, in between that site and, um, and the dump site, in between Daventry and the dump site. It's probably worth mentioning, too, that since we, you know, obviously just tonight we're funding the budget to begin our actual design, we just have criteria documents together, that if, you know, we'll study that as close as we can, and if additional trees are needed to be removed from the inside, like Cleet mentioned, we can compensate for that on the outside, on the actual taxiway area. Cleet, I didn't have the um, advantage of, of developing this, but uh, because you're a park planner, if, if, if I gave you the requirement of having some sort of a program space and a maintenance building, which you got to have a maintenance building in a, in a park this size, um, and I said, well, you know, I want the maintenance building up at Site C. I want to use Site A for something like uh, a more program, programmatic component. 
why can't I just put that down there later if that's if if I want to do that? What's the problem with the uh... so unless you were telling me that you were going to put an Audubon center or a nature interpretive center or something like that on site A, I would tell you that the best place for that more intensive use would be C. Because it has better access, because the utilities are there, because it's on a, a street that is urbanized already, and because it's more uh, part of the pattern of the street to have buildings there, and you can improve the walkability of Glendale Milford by facing that building onto Glendale Milford. The character of Plainfield is more rural. The golf course is on the other side. There aren't any other structures there. So Plainfield's a pretty special street, really, when you think about it. So no matter what you do, you're going to want to buffer even the maintenance facility, right? So reinforce the, the, the woodlot between it and, and Plainfield. But I, I, you know, Parks Planning 101 is to, is to do no harm, to, 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 to try and protect the, the, the high-quality environmental spaces and put the built facilities in places where there's already infrastructure there to support them. And and from if, if I were a homeowner uh, in Daventry or, or in this area, if there were a more intense use in A or in that area, um, I would have a whole lot more traffic than I from from that programmatic use than I would from the maintenance building. Is that 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 seems logical to me? Yes. Alone, where are you going to park them and, and all that? Okay, thank you. Um, I wanted to follow up on a couple of questions Jill had asked before, like what, uh, what would we recommend and what have you. Um, Cleet's demonstrating the least e ecological impact is on A, and I just want to reiterate why, because it's, an, it's not only an ecological impact, um, it's, it's, a, it's something, when you think about it down the road, we wouldn't even be able to easily program it for another amenity. You know, we'd have to do a lot of different things. C, um, a non-ecological impact of C um, is that it is our second front yard. Um, the first front yard, the primary front yard, is the triangle in front of um, the um, glass canopy. This is the other entryway in there. It's not a a vehicular entryway, but it is a pedestrian entryway. So you do have, even though we can try and buffer, it's going to be harder to hide that. Cleet brings up a great point about it um, potentially interfering with future park programming, whether it's a building or it's a butterfly garden or whatever it is. Um, it is a little bit in front of house, and you know what we're trying to do is put something in the back of the house. We just got lucky in the dump site is a great opportunity to reuse a dump site that has very little ecological impact. I know Brian's very sensitive because we have other facilities in the city where we are next to neighbors, very sensitive about that buffer. Um, I know Cleet's mentioned we can even do some additional things, but the nice thing is there's a natural buffer there. And site A just um, is a dump site, so its ability to repurpose something <coughs> that is undesirable now um, for a not great use, I realize, but you know the perfect spot to put a park maintenance building is in the middle of the Great Lawn. But everyone would agree that's not the most visual idea. It's not, you know, so you have to think about a number of different things. And so I think Gordon 
and Brian and, and the rest of the team would probably say C is livable, but it 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 starts to become your front door and your you're, you're going to have some visual clutter there. You're just not going to be able to buffer it as well. A just happens to be very naturally nice and hidden, and, and I think they'll be very sensitive to the neighbors. Uh, B would be an abomination in my mind, <clears throat> you know, with all the mature trees. And one of the few stands we have um, in blue ash, um, and, and so A or C is where I would prefer you to go with. And I think I think the team would say A would make sense for a variety of reasons in addition to the ecological reasons. Cleet, and this may be early, too early to ask this question, but I assume you've done some. We talk about A as being a dump site. Do we know that there's going to need to be some cleanup there? Are there pollutants that are a problem, or are we past that point of even? I think uh, Brian or Gordon would be better to ask okay. that. They've done that. We've done a geotech study on the site. It is, um, we, there would be some soils that would have to get removed from the site, but it wasn't anything that was alarming by any means. Nothing like when they had to do the lead mm -hmm. removal? No. Um, nope. Which was closer to the residence? Correct. Now, one question I have, and this will definitely be a Brian or David question, is so if we go over to site C, one of the the arguments against it was that, well, we, we could put a cultural facilities or something like that next to it, which would make then this, this building would be a bad fit for that. Now, I'll state my take on that is uh, in the six years I've been on council, we haven't spent two minutes uh, furthering that idea. And in the years before I joined council, I know council kind of put some feelers out for it, but it went nowhere. So like my take is if this, if, if this has gone nowhere in 10 years, I don't think it's even going to happen. So then my question it is just based on, let's, let's assume that, that my take is it ends up being the correct one. Um, not, not to say that it automatically is, but let's say then the, the, that this, this cultural facilities thing is not going to go there. Uh, what, if anything, would you guys feel like could go in this in the spot here that that was designated for that purpose? Like, what would be the next thing? On yeah, I I think it's a great question, and I've been asked that before. I think the important part is not to worry about what's going in there. The important part is to say this is you know this park process started 12, 15 years ago. This park is going to be there for another 100 years. So you're making decisions that impact. So whether you support a cultural or just, I, I agree with you. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I'm the guy that pulled it off the table because I said the numbers didn't make sense. But simply putting it, putting C there limits you in whatever that park facility, whether it's a building, whether I made the funny comment, butterfly garden, it just visually um, creates problem and programmatically causes you to squeeze down prime prime program space. And so that's what I would be thinking, not, well, is it, how realistic is the cultural art facility? I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about trying to project 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, and, and allowing a future council and future residents to come up with something that's there. That's why that park master plan said that's where the, the, the first busy area is where we built, and we're slowly building around um, uh, the Great Lawn, and then this is the next area where things potentially could be built, and the citizenry and councils down the future can make that. The rest of the park's relatively pastoral, um, and we just have the opportunity to tuck. Uh, unfortunately, you have to put the water heater somewhere in your house, and so this is an analogy that the best we can do here. 
Yeah, I guess the, 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 you know, the rationale behind that was, yeah, I can understand if you wanted to put some, some high society thing there where people wear their $3,000 dresses, then maybe you don't want a building like that right next to it. But if, like, the, next, if the next thing on the list there is an Arby's, then the building maybe isn't as much of a burden. And, and if we're looking at it further on that theme, Caddy Corner across from this is a gas station. So I'm not sure I'm as concerned about C being as much of an eyesore as some people might think. But really what I'm just trying to do is I don't want to make a big decision like this just on the fly in a few minutes. I'm really trying to look at all the pros and cons of A and C because I think B just, I, th I think that argument's been uh, kind of been made I, against itself. We're not making this decision tonight, though, right? Mr. Mayor, I'd like to go on record as being opposed to an Arby's. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it came up. So I recognize just style does that, but I, I just want to point out, try to be very visionary on this, not flippant. Well, there's a gas station maximum. Have the, the real demand for you is to realize you're being future stewards of that land. That may not seem like a very attractive piece. Admittedly, that's where Duke Energy dumped uh, stuff while they were doing the gas line. But down the road, that's got to be a much more attractive area than it is today. That's our goal to do that. And six years ago, did anyone know pickleball was popular? Now it's wanted everywhere. Who knows what's going to be popular? And it certainly doesn't have to be a high society cultural facility. It, it, it can just be something else. I just don't know what that's going to be. And that's what I'm just being, suggesting to you that our concern is just being good stewards. It's a very visual corner. It's a very visual impact. I don't mean to sound insensitive to residents at all. You know, we're very sensitive to making sure that things there, but that's why that area would be kind of desired to be re preserved for something, whatever that something is. I don't know. That's why you have to make these tough decisions, unfortunately. Um, Brian, I guess there's one more question I, I want to ask. Um, frequency of the bigger equipment, the mowers that go out, is that once or twice a week? So um, our plans would be that our employees on either location would enter and off the road, whether that's Glendale, Milford, or Plainfield. So vehicular traffic would be limited to just those staff that are coming in. And for example, today there was six staff members that came in, so six vehicles that were there. Um, so if it was A, they would come off of Plainfield, park, go inside the building. Um, the average type of piece of equipment used would either be a mower. We mow um, one and a half days a week. Um, and regardless, that mower makes its way through the entire park. Um, and then a golf cart. So uh, we have one pickup truck with a trailer. Uh, I wouldn't say the trailer gets used very much at all. Um, and, and the pickup truck basically is like a water truck and it goes out every once in a while. Um, it is not common at all for vehicles to actually come out of the building and into the park. It is 95% golf carts and uh, lawnmowers for the most part. And, you know, it's worth mentioning, too, um, that without, with option A or option C, you know, for us, um, if there's any concern about, like, that traffic flow, because our traffic flow will change with the park staff, of course, so they're going to be, today, they currently come from the hangar into the park. Our biggest concern when it comes to safety is when our, our staff, and this is how we train them and they onboard them for this, is uh, 
when they're in that vehicle or that piece of equipment anytime, but really, really high regards when they're around the Great Long, outside the ice cream shop, playground, et cetera. In terms of risk management, that's where our, our, we feel like is it our, our largest risk is, of course, because we're really close to patrons, et cetera. Some of that work that's really high touch, we try to do early in the morning when we can, or before nine o'clock when things start really picking up in the park. But um, yeah, I, do, I don't see any concerns with option A or C in terms of you know, additional risk for us moving equipment across the park. And our operation typically gets going between 7.30 and 8 in the morning. It's not like the golf course where you're trying to get out in front of golf, et cetera. So 7.30, 8 o'clock to about 3 o'clock for equipment. Anyone else? Please, thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to continue on miscellaneous business and go to David. Um. So there was um, one of the resident asked about, um, I don't know, the resident business owner asked about developing, uh, redeveloping his property. And it's a great segue. You recall we did a um, um, economic development um, analysis a few months ago, gave you a presentation. Um, staff um, and, and I have sat down, started working on, okay, what's the next steps of that? There were some ideas in there. And so what we, it looks like the next meeting is going to be a light agenda. So what we probably uh, plan on doing is bringing that consultant back and let's plan on having a large miscellaneous section, uh, maybe not even any business if possible, um, or very short business section for 10, 15 minutes and then spend the next uh, half hour, hour on miscellaneous with that consultant and just talk through about what are the next steps, what things do you want to look at differently in terms of economic development, uh, community development throughout the community. That's a great example of one not suggesting any of his solutions or things you ought to be thinking about or proposing any of those, but those are the type of comments we're getting and questions we're getting because the world is changing and so it's, it's a great thought opportunity for you as leaders to be talking and providing us some direction and then from there seeing if that's going to result in any policy changes throughout the city. So when you get requests like that, you have the your more clarity instead of dealing with it on an individual property by property basis, you, you've got a, a citywide objective. So that's a long way of saying plan on uh, the next meeting uh, between now and then, do your homework, read that that report again that was given to you and then let's plan on an open discussion um, at the next uh, next meeting on that. And um, lastly, um, uh, regarding the park maintenance building and, and Madtree, I'll let you know that uh, um, it's, it's coming along. We're very close to finalizing the last few details on it. I know it's taken a while, but um, uh, they, they continue to do the study on uh, and feasibility with their um, uh, design team. And it's still good news. It's still on pace that they will start doing some work next spring, which means we need to get out of that building. You know, we recognize we're not going to get that building. We're not going to get any new building up in time for uh, them. So we'll probably be putting tents up and we'll be have all kinds of fun stuff uh, next over the next year. So over uh, by the, the, uh, the mulch piles right now, is that where you guys plan on doing it? Probably some of them there, some of them up by the He's laughing over there. canopy. We're going to make a tent out of mulch piles for David. Can we do a roundabout around it? Roundabout. <laughs> so that's all I have, Your Honor. Thanks. Kelly? Julie? Gordon? 
Uh, just wanted to remind everybody that um, you know, as the days are getting darker sooner, just to be cautious of uh, pedestrians. We still have a lot of pedestrian usage. Um, weather's been really nice. So uh, it's really important that people pay attention to the rapid flash beacons that we have around the city. Uh, pay attention to the crosswalks and watch for pedestrians. Brian Cruz. No, sir. Thank you. Hey, Peters. I wanted to thank council and uh, city administration and our residents for coming out to our open house. Had another great year. It, it is hard to kind of judge how many people come, but we uh, gave out between Skyline and Hot Dogs 550 in an hour and 20 minutes. So uh, another great year. Uh, we really appreciate all the support from the community and uh, we really enjoy uh, doing this uh, every year for our residents. And yours was way bigger than the police department's open house, right? Well, I'm glad you said that. But. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Pullman. <laughs> There's going to be a ticket on your car when you yeah. go out, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Sherry? <laughs> Jamie? Counselor? Joey Chestnut tended to the fire. Know that oh, I know who Joey Chestnut, Chestnut is, the hot dog eating <laughs> champion. Chief, that was you? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor. Thanks. Jill. Just wanted to echo, thanks so much for a wonderful open house. Uh, the fire department does a great job every year, and the weather was absolutely perfect. So we really appreciate having the chance to have all of our citizens see that facility and know a little bit more about us. Yeah. Uh, just the same thing here. Thank you to the fire department for putting on another excellent open house. It's, kids especially love it. If you've got kids and are not going to that, next year, change it up and go. That's all. Thanks, Lee. Uh, ditto, like everybody else, but also thanks to Chris Theaters. Uh, I have a neighbor who's working on his last badge before becoming an Eagle Scout, and uh, he wanted to work on fire safety for that and gave him a nice tour and answered all his questions, so he's well on his way. So thank you. Katie? Nothing tonight. Brian? I love our community, and... Uh, <laughs> surprise. Um, I had the opportunity to be home. I, I grew up in Marietta, Ohio, which is a beautiful town. Um, and uh, I, I was really sad. Uh, it's political season and uh, the entire town is covered up in political ads. Every street corner, every public right away has signs everywhere. And I appreciate that uh, in Blue Ash, we have a limited designation of here's where your signs can be. And yet, um, and, and my feeling has changed uh, about this somewhat. We, we have rules that are unenforceable. We have a, an ordinance that is unenforceable around the number of signs that you can have, the size of signs that you can have. Um, and uh, people, aren't, people aren't even trying to, to pay attention to those, even people running for uh, seats on this body. Um, and, and so I, I much to, uh, I'm sure the, the uh, to Gordon's department's glee, uh, I, I wonder what the rest of council would think about removing those sites from uh, uh, places that you can put signs and, and have no public um, property places where you can put signs. You can put signs all over your own property all you want, um, 
but I, 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 think, I think those areas look bad. That's all. Yeah. What do you think, Kim? Well, we have cut them down. I think there used to be several more sites that we did cut down, I think, to seven now. Kind of sounds familiar, six or seven. So. At one point in time, we had 11. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I go between freedom of speech and having somewhere to put them instead of just throwing them everywhere because I, I, I wonder if we had no sites, if they would really start showing up all over the place. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, you know. they come down. They, yeah. I, I, I assume, uh, I, I know Gordon's folks drive by during the week and pull down the ones that are in places that they're not allowed to be. True. I think that the last time we talked about this, though, um, for you, Brian, as a first-time council candidate, it was helpful for you to have a place to, you know, advertise your race uh, for council. I, I did mention that as an advantage, and, and I uh, uh, wouldn't want uh, whoever wants to challenge me in two years to, uh, to be at a disadvantage. I don't think those sites, um, if you talk... When I've talked to political consultants, they tell me that signs are, are mostly for uh, the candidate's ego and don't change many <laughs> votes. Um, it sure made me feel good when I saw signs, but uh, you know, six signs, which is what we allow, uh, or seven signs, one in each site, I, I don't think is uh, the difference between uh, one candidate and the other. Councilor, did I hear that we can limit the size of the signs, but we cannot limit the number of the signs on public sites. Well, yes. <laughs> One word answer. Yeah. For once. Um, or you, could just, you can eliminate them altogether. What you can't do is once you let people in, you can't, then you got to watch what you limit there. But you can completely say none on any public if that's what you wanted to do. Okay. Well, I'll just say, as, as much as I'm not always the biggest fan of punting issues down the road, I don't even know that I want to talk about this right now when there's an election going on in just mm -hmm. a few weeks. These are the kind of discussions that should be had when we're not in the heat of an election cycle and everything is non-political. That's the best time to, dis to discuss things like this. So th that'll be my own, probably my only opinion on this topic tonight. <laughs> maybe, uh, I'm just maybe. saying, we, we have a municipal election uh, in about going weeks. on in a few weeks, every, and it happens only every two years, so November 2023, November 2025, November 2027, that's the only time any of us are on the ballot. So let's not discuss that a month before those times. We can, you can discuss those after those elections. I think it, it's a more productive discussion. I agree. Maybe it's a good I, retreat I agree. item or something. I just want to say, because I, I'm the candidate, and when I go out there, yeah, when I go out there, there are a lot of properties or a lot of uh, areas where they put down no soliciting. So more and more areas, they are not. And then when you have a sign, people do say, Oh, we have seen your sign. So it does make a difference. Or, or your multiple it, signs. Multiple signs, whatever the, the signs, location. bigger signs, smaller signs, but, but does make difference. That's what I'm saying, because I'm going door to door and I know what they say. Oh, yeah, I have seen your sign. So that makes a difference. And the second thing, the first thing I just told, that more and more area, 
they considering no soliciting. St. Andrews, MI Homes, all of them, uh, retreat, submit retreat area, those are the no signs, not allowed. I think the, so, even some of the older communities, like my community, you're not allowed to. I think in Lee's community, it's as well. So, isn't no, it most, the, most the, of the, the things is that the, you I know, think so. And most of the times when you go out there, uh, when you knock the door, it's only 20 to 25% people are in the home because the timing that you have is between the five, uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30 and the time goes by, it's going to get darker. Then you have a Saturday and Sunday. So most of the times that the rest of the people, the rest of the 80% people, out of so many people, they're not home. They can see the sign and they know who is the candidates out there. So that's my two cents about that. And is it my turn now? It's your turn. Anyway. <laughs> if you're done. If he wants to skip done, sometimes. Right? Yes, it's no, I just, so I just mentioned about the sign. And um, second thing, Yes, the, our fire department and everybody has a great job as usual every year they do. And I just want to have a one thought, if I can share, I have on my platform, so I want to use and I, I want to talk about a few things. Is uh, When people are working through home, and it looks like um, the employee handcuffing, handcuffing the employer. You, they ask them to come and come to work. They will say, "No, I don't want to come." So they're just handcuffing. But you were to see little different ways that how many we had before the corona. We had only four percent vacancy. Now we have a twenty-eight percent vacancy. It's just us. You go in a California sides and then everywhere. There's so much vacancy, people are not ready to pay. So the, the Doppler effect on the economy-wise is gonna be so huge. Before we sleep, we need to wake up and tell, the, like Ronald Reagan says, when he says that um, pilots, air, airplane pilots, they want to go on a strike, and he just said, Go strike. We will hire some other people, and that that's that's the things we need to do. If we don't do it, then lots of commercial properties going bankruptcy. Then people not going out to eat. So it's, if you go in a Doppler effect so much in economy wise, and before it goes too far, I think we need to wake up. And the, the other things that I have seen some people because I notice and I go and ask and everything and I make survey. Some people has a two W2 form because they are working from home, so they have a two computers and two different jobs. One thing. Second, one guy was out there. Oh, so that's an, it's a meeting going on and people were talking. He says, so I don't have any subject to talk. So he just running around having coffee and talking to us. That these kind of things, it's out there. People need, the employer need to recognize this, wake up them, and bring all these people back to the work. That's my two cents. Thank you. Thank you, Dina.
Okay, uh, a couple quick things. The fire department was uh, had a great open house, and as I was reflecting, I realized there were the exact amount of people at the fire and the police open houses. Just <laughs> tell the other police officers. Um, a long-time fire department uh, retirement's coming up, um, and the sad thing is, even though we went to Germany with Lou, I cannot pronounce his last name. Is it Ernstis? Ernstis. Ernstis. So on October 18th, um, from 1 to 4 is his retirement party. We're doing a proclamation at 1.30. Correct. And how long has he been with the uh, He's been uh, an employee of Blue Edge for 34 years. And He's our current longest tenured employee that's working right now. And just a great guy. So yep. if you guys can make it to that, if you all can make it to that, it's at the North Fire Station, October 18th from 1 to 4. Um, the question I've got the most in the last couple of weeks, and I don't know if anybody knows, and I don't, Dan and uh, Paul aren't here, so we might not have any answers, uh, the Parker site, what's going on? It's been quiet for weeks and weeks and weeks now, it seems like. Does anybody know anything? I just, I've been asked a bunch of times right. about the Parker site. Oh. Parker, the old Parker's restaurant. Oh, yeah, so um, that answer is, I know uh, Paul is, in, in regular contact with them, they make a little bit of progress, and then they obviously stop for a while, make a little bit of progress, stop for a while. Um, it's one of those, like, you know, the alternative for us is really difficult because the next step is you, you have to determine if if you don't think they're making enough progress, then we have to start thinking about a condemnation. First time we file a motion, they pick up a hammer right. and put a couple yeah. more bricks up. Then the judge says, oh, it doesn't look like it's ready for condemnation. So unfortunately, it's going to continue to suffer now. They've cleaned it up. And I don't think they have any outstanding violations at the moment, do they? But uh, and white defense that they were ordered to take down a long time ago. Yeah, well, to be accurate, they weren't ordered to take it down. They were not given approval for it. So it simply means that they will not be able to um, get an occupancy permit until they comply with the code. So, But that could be the last thing they fix. Yeah, they can do that uh, one day before they get the occupancy permit. The last thing I had um, for Councilor um, Pacheco, um, Mr. Cantor brought up having some kind of informal sit-down sessions, and you've already answered my question, <laughs> before a PC submission and it's just a uh, can't be done. Well, shouldn't and if it would be, it would have to be public anyway. So I'm not sure what the big advantage would be um, trying to do that in some kind of. Yeah, it, 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 it admittedly is a difficult issue. You, you had someone give you a presentation six months ago on a stadium. Yeah. Didn't meet, didn't meet with you individually over it. You were upset that he gave you the presentation, but that's unfortunately the forum is that, you know, say, hey, if you want to give us something, just come in under miscellaneous and share what you're, what's on your mind and what have you. Um, but I do think what we can do, as I said, is start with that economic development plan. And, you know, because what's more important than the individual approval of an individual project is that, okay, what meets your big picture goals and objectives? Are you going to change your thoughts and what have you? Because it, should, it shouldn't be on an individual basis. Yeah, we'll grant that for you, but not for that. It should be driven by a, an overall 
you know, strategy and vision. And if your strategy and vision ends up with something like the presentation he gave tonight, it says no way ever. That's his answer, regardless of whether it's formal or informal. But if it's, hey, yeah, we'll entertain this, you know, here's why we'll entertain it. And that's the better direction to go. And, and just to follow up with what Mr. Walt says, again, I've told you this in all on an individual basis, and I appreciate that this council, look, people talk to you in Kroger, they say, hey, what about this? What do you want to do on this? And I appreciate that this council understands there's a public process, they want to be transparent, and they don't want to jump the process. Much like any one of us, if we had a case in front of a judge, would not want that judge talking to a third party at Kroger about what the case was that was going to be that was going to come before them and render a decision or talk about it. It's the same kind of thing if people think about it that way. So I appreciate that this council gets that and wants to be transparent. Same time, you know, wants to be uh, friendly when it can be with respect to, to folks that are developing their property. But there is a process. It's set up, and we have to follow it. Yeah, I, w I will admit it's it's not the most efficient process at all, remotely. Hi, I want to. I'll spend a thousand dollars, give you an application for a concept plan of a PUD. You guys, you know, I don't mean this pejoratively, but you drag him, him or her through a two-hour hearing. People yell and scream, and then okay, I guess that's not the plan. We've had several presentations the last few months that that's the way it is. There, there would be ideal to, for there to be a better way, but then unfortunately that slope from that to boom backroom deals with developers and what have you is the next step and so it's, it's that's just what makes it difficult yeah they mentioned to me a couple other communities that supposedly have these informal meetings and whether it's true or not i you know i, I can't attest to that but i can attest that it it, it definitely gave me the heebie-jeebies that it would be something we would go down some kind of line like that I mean, like what we did tonight with the presentation about the different property, uh, the different locations is a very public setting, and that's the way we've always done it. So, Yeah, I think the lesson is just take the ideas that someone has given you and then start having a policy discussion on it. You know, we, and, and it's not just that property. There's a number of properties in a very similar situation, unfortunately, and you probably want to be thinking about that. So, The last thing is... Um, timetable on getting to some kind of consensus decision on the location of the Summit Park maintenance building. Um, obviously, it's not tonight, and we have some time to think and do some research, but is there a timetable? Probably, I'm looking at Brian or David. Well, there's not a hard timetable, but um, ideally within the next month or, or so, only because um, at some point in time, that preliminary study that um, we are doing will now have to decide on the final um, location. And, and something as simple as, well, okay, this location requires 40 foot of pipe from the road, this one yeah. 55 foot. You know, you have to start doing detail engineering. We're not there yet. And then number two, we need to get out of that building. And the longer we take there, the longer we're in that building. So I, I do envision something sooner rather than later. This isn't months-long process unless you make it. But you know, I do think at some point in time that has to be done. So I hope we could all, within the next meeting or worse two, come to a, some kind of consensus and give the public a chance to, um, you know, reach out. So. I have nothing else, so I would uh, entertain a motion to adjourn. Move. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you, everybody.